Does my voice sound funny to you? Nope, sounds totally normal. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> How long could you keep that up? Let me have a drink of water and see if I can fix it. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, <clears throat> let's both drink water right in directly into the microphone. I hate that <laughs> when people eat into microphones. Even if you've eaten within 15 minutes of talking into a microphone, I don't want to hear it because I can still hear it. I know there are channels for such things. I don't know if it's a fetish or what it is, but people who like... ASMR, is that what it's called? Where they eat and chew, like open mouth chewing right into the microphone. Yes. Oh, God, I, I hate that. That would be torture for me. I've you String me up in Guantanamo Bay. Don't blast music at me. Just play that at a reasonable volume, and I'll spill all my secrets. Hypothetical for you. <laughs> you go out, you suddenly find yourself single again, mm -hmm. and you go out on a hot date. First date... With a beautiful, beautiful young woman. She's an open mouth chewer or a horrible racist. Ooh, no, that the question didn't make sense, but who would you rather who would you rather go on a date with? Does it make me That's bad? That's horrible. That, I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that. Does it make me bad that I kinda lean towards uh, a horrible racist? <laughs> I think the open mouth chewing is disgusting. Yeah. It's the worst. It would be a deal breaker. I feel like we're going to get canceled now yeah. for talking about that. I should emphasize that uh, oh. ideally I would not be dating a crippling racist. No. In a perfect world, uh, but I don't, that's not on the table. I also don't understand, though, how people get to be in their 30s or whatever, and they still, they can't, they don't understand that people don't want to hear and see their food. I feel like I see it in movies and stuff. It'll take me right out of the scene, right out of the moment. Yeah. If a person starts eating and they have to, and they chew, oh, oh, oh. can't do it. We didn't rehearse this, did we? <laughs> no. Welcome to it. My name's Garner Andrews. That's Bryce Kelly over there. It's the Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly podcast. We got to fix this intro. I hate. It feels cumbersome every single time we do it. I don't know. Feels like we're uh, nailing it. Mm, does it? Yeah. Uh, thank you yeah. very much for subscribing. Thank you very much for telling all of your friends about our podcast. We make it for free every week. Somebody somewhere, I think, is making money. But the none of it trickles down to us. No. So. Absolutely 0% of it makes its way into my pocket. Yeah. But that's fine. Because you know what? I do it for the love of it. Oh, so do I. This is, <laughs> this is what I think about all week. Actually, this is one of my favorite parts because there's no script. There's no agenda. I just have one foot up on a counter. And it's really kind of close to your face. That doesn't bother you? No, not really. You keep a clean shoe. I do run a clean shoe, don't I? Yeah, like you got the because you got the Converse now with the white walls on yeah, the side, Chucks, and uh, those are clean. Oh yeah, these yeah. ones are fairly new. The white walls are hard to keep clean, but I do like coming into this studio and getting comfortable and just talking about stuff. Um, my recommendation this week, I was going to go with your recommendation. Oh, so can I just sort of piggyback? Can I pick, can I go can I draft off of your recommendation? It's such a good recommendation. I've only seen one episode though, and I the episode I watched, I know it's good because I was laughing way harder than my beautiful bride. 
She chuckled a couple of times, but I was kind of, there were a few moments when I thought, I'm not going to be able to get it together here. The concept for the show is great. The people who are in it are fantastic. Yep. It's an all-around good time. So the show is Murderville. On Netflix. On Netflix. If you haven't watched this thing yet, it's, I think there's only six episodes so far. They're half an hour each. I've only seen the Conan O'Brien one. It's an easy one to uh, break off. But the premise of the show is it's Will Arnett, a.k.a. Joe Bluth. Mm Mm-hmm. And he and the other actors in the show all have scripts. It's a murder mystery show. They spend the episode solving a crime. And so he has a script. He plays a detective, Terry Seattle. But everybody on the show has a script. They're following, except... Except for the guest that comes on that gets to be his kind of... Apprentice or... Detective trainee. Yeah. His partner, perhaps. Yeah. And so, like, the first episode, like you said, is Conan O'Brien. So everybody but Conan knows what's going to happen in the show. So Conan is improvising everything, and it's outstanding. Yeah. It's fantastic. The scene where Conan O'Brien has to explain death to an eight-year-old girl. That uh, was brilliant. <laughs> after a magician's assistant was murdered. Or the fantastic. scene in the interrogation room, and this is, I'm not going to spoil anything, where um, Will Arnett is getting his mind blown by a cheese ball music, uh, magician. Mm-hmm. Will Arnett's awesome in the oh show. Oh, my God. He's good. He's really funny. Yeah. Conan O'Brien's awesome. And the other episodes, I've only seen half of them so far. Ooh. But I love it so much that it's worth the recommendation. So the second episode was Marshawn Lynch, who was an NFL player. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is just a throwaway. He was actually pretty good. Okay, he, I'm going to watch that one when I get home today. And then I saw Kumail Nanjiani mm-hmm. was in it. He was great. The next episode is, jeez, uh, I always forget her name. She was on Shit's Creek. Not Catherine O'Hare. Hera. Oh, the the, the uh, younger the one. daughter, the uh, Annie. Annie. Uh, we something. should know her name. She's Canadian. She's uh, she's in it. Yeah, and it looks good. And just Murderville. It's fantastic. It's you're not going to get smarter. No, it's very stupid. But my God, is it funny? Yeah. Thanks for stealing my recommendation, Bryce. I don't even have one this week. What am I going to tell you about? A book I'm reading? <laughs> no. Here's my recommendation: Don't renovate your house in a pandemic. Oh, there. you're going through that again. Have I already done that as a recommendation? Don't renovate your house during a pandemic. I think I may have. I think maybe just in your head you did. Yeah. It's going on month, what, five? Oh, yeah. Started in September. We're now in February. Don't have a kitchen? No, it's funny now because, well, we're no longer doing recommendations. We're moving on to another portion of the podcast. But let me quickly, <laughs> I'm living in my garage now. My, uh, my double garage is now my kitchen. I moved my old kitchen cabinets to my garage, screwed them to the wall. I now have a kitchen set up out there with my fridge because there's nothing left in the main floor of my house. Everything is gone. Floors, cupboards, furniture, it's all gone. Toilet, sink, gone. So this is the way I live now for, I hope, only a month. But like I hear a month and I'm barely in. I had my first garage meal last night and it sucked. <laughs> like it just sucked. It's like cold cement floor. Uh, yeah. I'm eating chili next to a jar of screws. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah, really, I'm selling it. Uh, I wish we could post pictures of the scene. I showed you the scene and it's... Um, it is temporary, but it would be tough. At least you have a heater in your garage. Like, my garage is not attached to my house, and it is not heated. Well, there's my recommendation right there. Um, put 
a furnace in your garage. That's my podcast recommendation. <laughs> sure, it's going to run you about three grand, but it's well worth it. And then you can go to your garage and do garage type things all year round. There you go. The Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly Podcast. It's on the internet, where your Uncle Ron gets way too political. Oh, so last week when you were away on vacation, Bryce, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we, uh, we started, somebody texted and told a story about how they were haunted by an image of back in whatever grade it was, they threw up all over their teacher. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't feeling well, and they put their hand up because they needed oh. to go let it rip, but the teacher was ignoring them. So finally the teacher walked up to this person's desk and said, what, what is your hand up for? I need to, and like all over the teacher and all over themselves. I told that story on the radio. People were upset. <laughs> That's gross. I'm changing the station. So I thought maybe we could talk about this in the podcast. Trigger warning. I've always wanted to say trigger warning. One or two of these is kind of disgusting. Like puke. Okay. There is one story of something else, but... The other end? Yeah, but it's lighthearted. Okay. If there is a lighthearted... <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Just you saying that makes me think like definitely when I was in elementary school, especially like I do remember kids throwing. I do remember the sawdust and stuff. I And you probably remember the kid's name, too. I had two incidents and I remember both those kids names. But you would think in like the size of schools I went to, the number of kids that I passed by that. Yeah. Throw up would have been a bigger part of my school experience. <laughs> now I'm actually proud of uh, where I went to school. Yeah, that I, it wasn't a huge thing. I never saw a kid throw up on the teacher. Well, you want to hear something really funny is that I witnessed it twice in my high school career, watching people throw up in class. And this, when I say these kids' names, it sounds like I went to school in the 1800s. Because the girl, we were in band class. She played flute. Oh, no. And she, her name was Phyllis. And she puked. And I always like to tell, my daughters love it when I tell this story about Phyllis. <laughs> Dad, tell the story about Phyllis again. So I do, and I embellish it a bit, and I talk about how she never stopped playing the whole time. And it was just spewing out the end of her <laughs> flute, like, like an oscillating sprinkler. So that was poor Phyllis. And then uh, in grade 11 English with Sister Marie, she was a hard ass. Um, the, uh, the kid, he stood up and puked. It was Larry. Was, so Larry and Phyllis. <laughs> Larry sounds like someone who threw up in uh, I don't think Larry's alive anymore, unfortunately. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So anyway, we're just telling stories on the radio about throwing up in classrooms. And of course, that spiraled directly to where you think it would spiral to. The audience was angry because they were grossed out and trying to eat breakfast. They've probably all switched stations and they're never coming back to us again. Worth so, it, though. Totally worth it. Um, somebody texted and said, this one time in grade eight, I got pooped on by a bird during lunch hour. Oh. My best friend was beside me and was wearing a sweater over her t-shirt, but would not give me her sweater. I cried for half an hour and then went home and changed. She's still my best friend to this day though. Mary, maybe she was wearing a t-shirt under there that uh, had something super racy on it. Oh my. Yeah. I would not be a supportive friend. If my friends got pooed on by a bird. Yeah. Don't turn to me for help. No? No. I will not be supportive. I I don't think there's anything funnier that could happen. <laughs> I would enjoy it. 
Until it happened to me, then my attitude would change dramatically. You also are the guy, though, like you and I work in this building quite often alone at like four o'clock in the morning. We're here. And I also think if I had, if I suffered a massive jammer, (laughs) you're probably not going to get up and go get the defibrillator, right? Hey, I don't want to get that wrong. And I get sued. So you're just going to let me twitch on the floor? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the likely scenario is I'd hear a huge crash and bang, and I'd just be like, oof, wonder what that was all about. I'd better not go look. And then just continue about my business. And 30 minutes later, I smell your rotting corpse. from. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Somebody else said, I lost my sense of taste and smell four years ago. Was pumping some gas on my lunch break. And had the handle lock on. It was super cold out, so I had my hands in my pockets and was staring off into space while I listened for the click once my tank was full. I felt my pants getting wet from my crotch down and realized that the lock didn't flip up and the gas was spewing out all over (laughs) me. I stripped down to my boxers and drove back to the shop with nothing on but those. Oh, man. Could you wash gas out of pants like that? No. I don't think there's two things, gas and dog s. If you step in either of those or get any either of those on you, you might as well just burn those clothes on the driveway. Because I would think I could run those pants through the wash 20 times. Yeah. But you light up one cigarette and those things will go up. Like well, you'll like never get the gas out of it. You get a little bit of gas on your hand when you're filling up. That's with you all day. Every time you take a bite out of your apple, it's like, oh, gas apple. <laughs> Mm. But you're weirdly not disgusted by it. No, it is kind of a good smell. I don't mind the smell of gasoline. Are you a huffer? Are you secretly a huffer? <laughs> uh, oh, I do huff. My, Hey, guys, my friend and I went to Shoppers Drug Mart for lunch one day from work. As we're at the till to pay, the air conditioner above the till exploded. <laughs> we were covered in wet soot. <laughs> we couldn't go home, so we walked through City Center Mall covered in wet soot to buy new clothes. Shoppers was really good and paid for the dry cleaning. Kim. Man, oh man. I don't know if I could put together an outfit that quickly. No. I I don't think I could. I feel too much pressure. Uh, Yeah. That's a bad day. To have that happen in the middle of your work day. Yeah. Get covered in, I don't know, air conditioner barf. (laughs) That's what it's, technically that's what it is. That's what they call it in trade schools. Air conditioner barf. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's grab this. Hello. Are you guys still talking about reasons you had to go home and change? Yes. I have one that is not poop related. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so I used to work at a park and ride in Nisku, and uh, I had cattle on the highway between Nisku and Beaumont, and I would go on my lunch break and check my cattle just because I was close and make sure everything was good. Well, one day I go out there, and one of my cows is trying to calve, and it's Stuck. So I had to run it around the field, run it up into my probably 80-year-old corrals, and I didn't have a headgate, so I tied it to my Jeep, and I had to pull this calf out in the middle of a field on my lunch break. Um, I was late coming back for lunch, suffice it to say, and I was covered in in cow, like like new cow stuff. Placenta. Placenta, yes. I had placenta, and it was just, and I called my boss, and I was like, this is your options. Option one is I drive home, which is, I was about a half hour from home, 
I was like, or option two is I can come into work and jump in people's Bentleys and Ferraris in my placenta clothes. And he said, uh, come back to work and I will be going to Walmart and I'll pick you some clothes up and you can get back to work. I don't know. Tending to your cows on your lunch break. Next thing you know, you got placenta all over you. Does that sound like the best day ever or the worst? Oh, that's a bad day. Well, no, but you think about it. This guy, he has a job where he can go tend his cows at lunchtime. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, and Except, I, I guess having a little baby cat, like a baby cow walking around is a precious thing. Mm, but he also had to reach up there and yoink. <laughs> he had to go shoulder deep yeah. to yank that thing out. And Ooh. being covered in placenta, I would imagine, is rarely a, an ideal situation. Yeah. And the thought of somebody going to Walmart to buy me new clothes, I don't know. Like, that's not a slight against Walmart. I really have trouble shopping for clothes. I'm so picky about what I wear. I can't imagine my boss going, I think these will fit them. They won't fit. Trust me. My ego couldn't handle if they brought back pants that were too small. Oh, yeah. Oh, we thought you were a 32. Oh, you're a you're a 38? <laughs> a shirt that's just too tight and hugs you in all the wrong places? I can't do that. You look sort of like McMurray from Letterkenny, who's let himself go a bit. <laughs> yeah. I would rather wear just go to the gar- go to the kitchen, go under the sink, pull out a garbage can, poke out a head hole and some armholes in a garbage bag. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll wear the garbage bag dress. Uh, somebody said, "Ha ha, racy tees." I'd been working from home for the morning and then had to go to the office briefly one afternoon. Ran in, did what I needed, spoke to the director, couple of clients, then headed back home where I realized I was wearing my pink ribbon survivor tee, which says proudly, not today, mother blanker. (laughs) (laughs) Although I think that's the one tee. Nobody's going to call you out on that. Like, that's for breast cancer. Like, that's cancer survivors. Do you know what I mean? Nobody's going to say, I don't care that you beat cancer. Take that shirt off. Having an F-bomb on your shirt is a bold statement. It's jarring. <laughs> like, I, I I even talked about this the other day. Is You'll see that sticker in the rear window of somebody's car, and it's like, F-U, cancer, but it's not F-U. It actually says, mm-hmm. I find that I, I if I pull up behind one of those cars and I see that, I find myself fanning my face. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> this is why, pro tip, always have a mirror Near your door where you leave. Oh, yeah. Check your outfit. Take one last look before you go. Yeah. Make sure there's no F-bombs on your shirt. Uh, My coworker had to go home and change pants because when they were leaving for work, they grabbed a boiled egg to have for breakfast, had nowhere to put it, so they (gasps) stuck it in their front pocket. What could go wrong? And forgot it was there. At one point in the morning, they slapped their leg and squashed a hard boiled egg (laughs) in their pocket. (laughs) This sounds like BS. No, you if you coming. were leaving your house in just a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and you wanted a hard-boiled egg, you wouldn't put that in your pocket. You'd wrap it up in something or you would just not have a hard-boiled egg that day. If you're living the kind of life where you're putting eggs in your pockets, yeah, man, you, you live life on the edge. This is bound to happen. Oh, I was often thinking, too, about like police officers, um, Emergency medical people, like the paramedics, the people on the ambulances, they are going to get stuff on them every day. Ooh. Like every single day, you're going to get stuff on you that you don't want on you. Are you allowed to just go home and be like, hey, guys, I'll meet you at the next call. 
or do you have, just have to work the entire day in your soiled uniform? I'm going to dance around the political side of this. Yeah. But there have been stories in uh, our nation's capital mm-hmm. that medical professionals have been told maybe it's in your best interest to not wear your scrubs to and from work because they're getting harassed. Oh, yeah. And then a lot of people pointed out, they're like, hey, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't wear your scrubs home from work anyway, because what if someone came in with a big old gunshot wound and they're gushing blood and then you're going to the grocery store covered in your scrubs that are covered in that guy's blood? Yeah, I just came from the meat department. (laughs) Like, yeah, that probably makes sense. It's probably good to have a change of clothes. Somebody else says, I wore khaki shorts to a movie with some friends. I placed my butter-covered popcorn on my lap for the movie. When it was over, I got up. The butter from the bag soaked through and drenched my khaki shorts (laughs) from crotch to knee. The rest of the night, I spent looking like I pissed myself because the butter never dried. When you spill something on yourself and you have the pissy pants or what appears to be pissy pants, that is tough sledding. Like, you got to walk down a hallway you got to, I don't know, like walk through a movie theater lobby. Everybody, you feel like you got to explain to everybody, it's the butter from my popcorn, strangers. It was not me peeing my pants. Yeah, your journey's never felt longer. Oh, man. But and it'd be so confusing because on one hand, you got the pissy pants. But on the other hand, every now and again, you get the whiff of the butter. You're like, oh, oh, here. Hey, guys, longtime listener, new texter. Oh, I am a police officer. We have a special washing machine at work for gross clothes. A buddy of mine went to a call where they thought they found human bones. <laughs> Turned out to be a half decomposed moose carcass from a hunter. The smell was so bad, even though they put his clothes in Rubbermaid bins, he had to throw out his uniform and boots and work bought him new clothes. Smell would not wash out. Whole station <laughs> stunk for several days. Do, I wonder if they do normally have to spring for Because if you go into, you do a wellness call in a department and the guy's been deadsies for a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, that won't really wash out. Do well, you have to buy a new uniform? Let me read you this next text. Oh. Hey, guys. James the locksmith here. Oh, no. Found a body when oh. I with, was with a landlord in a bathtub. Oh. The coveralls got tossed that day. Oh. We can't leave out. We can't. We can't finish off with that one. <laughs> they should market washers and dryers as like paramedic and officer approved. That's why I've had the idea before too. Is there should be you know how there's Tide and there's Tide <laughs> for cold water. There's Tide for front load machines, top load machines. There should be Tide for crime scene cleanup. <laughs> <laughs> they should be tied for dead guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Strong enough to get that stink out of your clothes. You know how there's the the tied detergent, the stain <laughs> pen or whatever that is that you can rub on your clothes? Yeah. They should just make one that's like the size of a fence post. <laughs> you just rub it all over your clothes. Ooh. Tied for crime scenes. Gross. Uh, do we want one more or are we disgusted? I'm enjoying it. Do you want puke? Uh oh. shart. Oh. Or hmm, sweat. It's hard to say no to a shart. Okay. That's what I always say. I know it was here somewhere. Now I can't find it. <laughs> oh, hey, I was working in the shop one day and the foreman had to go home to change his gotch and jeans because he actually sharted. I thought that only happened in movies. 
I thought it was a movie thing too, like working in an independent bookstore or being a magazine editor. Editor, <laughs> I thought that was just a fake movie thing, but apparently it's real. How could you ever take your boss seriously again? <laughs> the next time you're in trouble and he's screaming at you, veins popping, and all you're thinking about is just the shard. Yeah. He wants to talk to you about your objectives, your performance review, and you're like, hey, sharp man. <laughs> Remember that time you soiled yourself? You're listening to the Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly Podcast. It's like radio, but on the internet. Wow! Bryce Kelly, hmm? you and I are both grown men with crushing grown man responsibilities and obligations. Mortgages, cars, oh. mowing lawns, all that. Yeah, living in your garage while your house is being renovated. Um, but there's also, there's things that as an adult, like there's things that I don't know how to do. Like the, I talked about it the other day. I couldn't, if you put a turkey in front of me and say, hey, can you carve this thing? I'd be like, <laughs> I'd probably shriek and dive through a window and run into the night. Appropriate response. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't know what to do. I've never, I know the idea behind it, but I've never actually driven a manual transmission car. Oh, yeah. Ever. You should learn that. In fact, one of my most shameful things, have I told this before? I was living in White Court, and I was leaving my apartment, and someone else in the apartment, their car was stuck in the snow in the parking lot. And they said, hey, can you help me out? You jump in in reverse. I'll push, <laughs> which seemed like a weird thing. I didn't know who they were. Yeah. But I get in their car, and it was a manual, and I was like, whew. Did you just jump right back out, or did you try? I had to be, I tried and failed. Oh, boy. And then uh, I just had to be like, listen, man, I don't know how to do and So then- he, and that's the way it should have been, he got in his car and I pushed. Wow. Wow. Good share, Bryce. That was embarrassing. You were vulnerable. <laughs> you, uh. That was rough. You were real. Um, I, the other, okay, this is embarrassing. To this very day, I don't know how to fold a burrito. Like if, I, if I'm making a burrito at home, I have to get my beautiful bride to roll it up. She tucks the ends in beautifully. She looks like she works at Mucho Burrito. Oh, I'm going to tell her that. Well, hey, hey, you know what Bryce said about you? He said you look like you work at Mucho Burrito. I should rephrase. Her burritos look like she works at Mucho Burrito. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I struggle with. I'm okay at it. My problem is more I can't get the portions correct. I way overload everything. I, yeah. I, like you get those little soft taco cells, shells, like the real ones, and- I put probably eight times as much stuff on. <laughs> I end up having to eat it with a knife and fork, like it's a little slice of pie, <laughs> meat pie. Oh, So anyway, the topic was things that you don't know how to do as an adult. Uh, I'm 22 years old, still don't know my left and my right. I always have to think about it. If somebody goes, hey, turn left, I better have a couple of blocks to, to sort that out. Wow. I have that pretty dialed in. It didn't mm -hmm. used to be a thing that I would walk tall of over, but now I kind of feel like <laughs> I know my left and right. Uh, somebody else says, I live in Stony Plain, which is about, I don't know, half an hour from where we're sitting right now. Just outside of Edmonton. I live in Stony Plain. I work in Edmonton. I don't ha know how to drive. I can't even ride a bike. I more or less rely on my parents to drive me everywhere. Ooh, can't drive or ride a bike. And I asked, how old are you? And they said, 23? I think 22 <sighs> or 23. I could get past the not driving at 23. But you think okay. that maybe you'd, 
maybe you'd go learn to ride a bike. Go the, to a park the late bike. at night when there's no judgment. The bike is a good thing to know. Yeah. Uh, now I feel judgy. Uh, the folded, the uh, fitted bed sheet. Everybody talks about the fitted bed sheet. No one has a good technique for it. Well, I don't think anyone really can fold one. No, it's just you get it to a point that you can fit it in a linen closet. Yeah. And that's it. It looks just a little bit better than if it was balled up and laying on the floor. Uh, let's grab this. Hi. Garner. Yeah. It's Giorgio, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> first time, long time, you're on the air. Buddy, I, you know, for the life of me, I've watched videos. Uh, I am uh, well off my years. I've done a lot of laundry. I let me fold a fitted sheet in the elastic corners. I cannot make that thing look good. No. Everybody says, oh, I can totally fold a fitted sheet, but it just looks like you balled it up and put it in a basket. It's horrible. I'd take a class if there was one available. I, yeah. I've watched. Can't do it. Again, I think we've all sort of... Is it people like Martha Stewart that make us feel bad that we don't know how to, like, we expect that we're going to be able to make that sheet look like it just came out of that package. And you're never going to be able to do that, ever. No, just give up now. Yeah. Just throw it in the linen closet. And never, you know, don't sleep with a sheet anymore. That's gross. (laughs) Always sleep with a sheet. (laughs) Uh, Hey guys, I'm almost 55, grew up on the Atlantic coast and cannot swim. In fact, I can't even float. I sink right to the bottom. Hmm. Hmm. Well, to be fair, that Atlantic Ocean sucks. It does. The Atlantic (laughs) Ocean's terrible. It's cold and it's mean. It is the, it's angry. Yeah, the Pacific, that's the money ocean. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people can't whistle. Here's somebody else. My wife wraps my tacos, burritos. She has a way with it. She never worked at Mucho Burrito, but if she did, she would be a star. Oh, there you go. Yeah. When I watch it, because I love a good burrito. So do I. And when it comes out perfectly folded, it is a game changer. Yeah. I just, I can't do it myself. There's zero leakage from the ends. It's like eating, I don't know, like a really skinny football. (laughs) I love that feeling. Uh, So I don't know how to snap. I'm embarrassed to say that I can't park in a parkade. Grew up in a small town. Everything about it confuses me and gives me anxiety. What level am I on? How do I pay? How do I get out? Natasha. It is one of those things that if you've lived in a city for a long time or you grew up in a city, you don't really think about parkades. You just go there. My last car that I had was a little tall, especially because of the roof rack. And it made me live in fear of going in a parkade and just getting oh, stuck. Wedged in there. And now I drive a car that's much smaller, but I still have that same fear. I have like the phantom roof rack that I'm horrified will get stuck. Uh, I cannot wrap a long, a long extension cord correctly. I start and then it goes into a big messy pile and that's how I leave it. Jess. Uh, the key is to do the over your hand, over the elbow. Oh, that's what I do. And wrap it around kind of your forearm type mm-hmm. thing. There are some TikTok videos I've seen of guys who, like construction workers who have really good techniques. It's called a ladder. Ooh. That's what they do. It's impressive. It is. It looks like it makes no sense to me. I always think to myself, how is that better than just wrapping it around my arm? And I'm sure there's a reason it is better, but. You can tell a lot about a person if you go in their shedder garage and Mm -hmm. see how they handle their extension cords. Yeah, it's just pushed into a box. Uh, my wife cannot skip a stone or throw a frisbee. Should I leave her? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. Leave her immediately. Uh, somebody else said, too, uh, this is from Jeff. I can't throw a frisbee. It either goes sideways or doesn't go anywhere near the person I'm trying to throw it to. 
at that point, do you just stay out of parks and public spaces? Like, what if a frisbee lands at your foot? Like some shirtless buff jocks tossing a frisbee around on a Saturday afternoon. You're walking through the park with your best girl. Frisbee lands at your foot. Like, do you just kick it back to them or what do you do? Because, yeah, if you pick that thing up and run it back to them. It looks like you're hiding something. Yeah, it's quite clear that you have a secret. But if you throw it and it fails horribly, you're walking home alone. Yeah. Garner Andrews and Bryce Kelly. Solving the world's problems one podcast at a time. So, Bryce Kelly. Yes. Yes, Highlight of your life a couple of weeks ago. You spoke with one of your boyfriends. Yeah. You know what? I actually, I did not bring it up, but I met him a few years ago. Did he remember? I didn't bring it up because I I knew he wouldn't. Yeah. But uh, it was weird because I was in, uh, I was in COVID jail. I was in close contact jail. Oh, this was two weeks ago. Yeah. And so I actually had to do this conversation at my kitchen table. Ooh. So I'm sitting at my table doing this weird Interview, interview with Brian Baumler from HGTV. Yeah, and you seriously do like this guy, right? I do. He Nobody has, watches more HGTV than Bryce Kelly. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. And he has probably the most ambitious show ever on that channel, which is when he bought a hotel in the Bahamas and renovated it himself. Island of Brian? Him and his wife. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to chat about that. But uh, it was a thrill. A thrill. To talk to Brian Baumler. So when you're sitting at your kitchen table talking to Brian Baumler, the whole time were you worried, like, if he is here right now, would he be judging my paint color? Would he be judging my cabinetry? Would he be judging my live edge furniture? Uh, You'll hear, I mentioned that my table is live edge. Uh Uh-huh. And what does he say? Does he scoff? Didn't say anything. Yeah. I think it's over. I think Live Edge is done. I wanted him to be like, oh, Live Edge? Oh, oh, this guy's got style. Tell me more. (laughs) Did you mention subway tile? <laughs> the uh, So here's the thing is that I know this was a big thrill for Bryce Kelly to get to talk to one of his boyfriends, Brian Baumler, from HGTV. The thing about Bryce that a lot of people don't know is you watch, how many hours of HGTV would you watch in a typical day? Well, I sleep for about seven. Mm-hmm. I work for three. Yeah. So 14. It's on all the time, right? It's my... (laughs) It's just on in the background. It's the only thing keeping me going. So what I want to do right now is uh, roll the music, please. We're going to test Bryce Kelly on a game called Does He Know His HGTV? You can see through this paper, can't you? I'm not going to look. Don't look at the uh, questions. This is going to be a slam dunk. Here we go. Question number one. What are the first and last names of the Property Brothers? Uh, last name is Scott. Mm-hmm. You have Drew. Mm-hmm. And you have, oh my God, I'm blanking on the Oh my one. God. Oh my God. Jonathan. Jonathan. He's the one dating uh, that, stop, new girl. Stop, stop. Oh, that's that that one of my one? other questions. Oh. <laughs> Jonathan. Hey, extra points if you can tell me their middle names. Oh, I do not know their middle names. One of them has the coolest middle name I've ever heard. Danger? No. Oh. Jonathan Silver Scott. Silver. And the other is Andrew, Drew, Alfred Scott. One of them got the cool middle name. One got Silver, one got Alfred? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Next question. Which of the Property Brothers is romantically linked to Zoe Deschanel, the new girl? That is Jonathan. It is. 
Uh, Bryce Kelly, what is the name of the HGTV show that's shot in Waco, Texas? Fixer Upper. Who are the hosts? Uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Fun uh, fact, last okay. summer I drove through Waco, Texas and went to their restaurant. Oh, was it any good? I had the chicken salad. It was quite good. Waco, the- Texas, though, was a dump. Were Chip and Joanna Gaines there? No. Oh. No, that was a huge disappointment. They probably don't work in the restaurant. I don't think so. No. <laughs> Keeping with Chip and Joanna Gaines on Does He Know His HGTV? How many children do they have? Oh, God, four? Five. Five? Yeah, what are their names? <laughs> <laughs> Did I make this too hard? I knew they had more than, I know they had a few. Yeah. Five, uh, holy. From oldest to youngest, there's Drake, Ella Rose, Duke, M.E.K., and Crew. Don't name your kids Duke because it's slang for something else. Uh, let's talk about another HGTV power couple, Ben and Aaron Napier. Mm. What is the name of their show? Oh, they're the ones, they're in Mississippi. That's uh, that's my uh, other hometown. Oh, my question, what U.S. state is that show filmed in? Mississippi. Spell Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Final question yeah. for Bryce Kelly on does he know his HTTV? Why don't you have any hobbies? <laughs> Okay, okay. Here's my chat with Brian Baumler. Hey, Brian, it's Bryce here at Sonic. How the hell are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Well, I'm going to be candid. Uh, I've had a close contact situation, so I'm actually talking to you from my kitchen uh, table right now. You're locked up in the kitchen. Yeah, but it's a live-edge table, so it's very well, handsome. I, I, was, uh, I was blessed with the gift of COVID right before Christmas, so I lived in my RV in the, uh, in the hangar for two weeks. I got to watch the kids open their gifts through the window. That was fun. (laughs) When you do these shows, you have to obviously know your stuff. And I know, you know, uh, Mrs. Baumler is a little more on the design side than you are, but you obviously have to be pretty, you have to know a lot about the design side of things as well. And in your humble opinion, you know, what are we doing right now that probably you don't think will stand the test of time? Is it the farmhouse, modern farmhouse stuff? Oh, interesting. That's a good one. I mean, on average, looking back every 10 to 15 years, people renovate kitchens, bathrooms, basements, styles change, you know, the color of the season changes and what have you. But then it tends to come back. So it really depends how long you how long you wait. The big focus now, people doing different jobs and focusing on things in their homes is creating, and I, I think this has been COVID-based and hopefully this all kind of goes away or maybe it'll change our society, you know, forever. But people are creating workspaces at home. They're creating learning spaces for their kids at home. Um, there was a big push in the past years for this open concept. Everything now we're, you know, we still want open concept, uh, common spaces, but more privacy for learning and work at home. I don't know if that's going to continue or not. Uh, Brian, whenever I watch one of your shows or one of the other HGTV shows, part of me just sits there and I just think about how exhausting it must be. Obviously, you have a passion for construction and, and home building, but I assume you can't go anywhere to any dinner party or just someone else's house without them at some point being like, oh, hey, my uh, sink is leaking. Would you mind taking a look? Or what do you think about knocking down this wall? Like, is it hard, especially, you know, being on, on the TV side of it, to leave it at home sometimes? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, over 17 years, it all kind of mashes together, but... I think at the end of the day, it's no different than, you know, if you're at a dinner party with a, a, a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or an accountant or what have you. You know, you, there's always those questions, you know, specifically about it. The, the one thing that being in the trades, I think there's always a question because, and, and it's not just me, it's anyone that's in the trades. There, there's a, a great, you know, group of, 
of digital content creators now online and you know people interested in it that that have a very educated background that you know entrepreneurial that have gotten into it but society in general is so focused on real estate and real estate as investment and you know as shelter that there's always those questions about that so the trades people really are the new doctors dentists lawyers rock stars what have you Brian, I'm happy to be talking to you right now. I'm an HGTV fiend, and I'm just dying to know, like, get a little bit look behind the curtain on how it all works uh, when you do a renovation show. And people often forget that renovations are not finished in 30 or 60 minutes. Uh, so when you're doing something like 22 uh, minutes, once we take the commercials, <laughs> factor in the ads. Yeah, uh, when you were doing a show like like Leave It to Brian, for example, how long would it actually take to if you're redoing someone's basement? In a in a sixty or thirty minute episode, how long is that actually taking you? So we would typically film four of those episodes, and we call those the format shows, where the content is different, but you know the format's the same every time. Every time I pull up, I meet the homeowners, I walk through, we make the decision, we do the demo. There's there's all the cut is the same, um, never scripted. You know, no one's told what to say. The problems we encounter are different. The homeowners don't know what we're ripping apart, but we would have four sites. And we would film for four weeks at each site. So we would have four different crews, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four different houses. And when we're not filming in one house, the, the crew is moving ahead and making progress on the other house. Um, so typically about four weeks, four to five people on site, you know, 10 hours a day, five to six days a week. So you're looking at a significant amount of work to finish that. But when it's all cut down, yeah, it's. 15 minutes and, and we're done. I, have you ever, like, I, I've seen a lot of your stuff, and obviously people are all usually over the moon with their reactions, but have you ever had someone kind of walk in and be like, oh, my squeak, what are you doing? We did. We had one, and I can, honestly, in all of the years, we've had one homeowner that was very unhappy and actually cried uh, when they, it was a Leave it to Brian episode, and she came in and realized that we had decided to renovate a bathroom um, instead of the kitchen, but it wasn't just the kitchen. They gave us a budget of, you know, I think it was twenty two, twenty three thousand dollars, and the option was the kitchen, living room, hallway, entranceway, pantry, you know, or the bathroom. And I just i I can't make I can't renovate an entire house for twenty grand. So the uh, she really made the decision for us. Now, over the years, you know, you've gone from those shows, leave it to Brian and stuff, and things just keep escalating for you to the point now. <laughs> the last thing we saw you in was Island of Brian, which yeah. is probably the craziest HGTV show I've seen, and just the ambition of it, where you, if people don't know, you and your blushing bride bought a falling apart uh, hotel in the Bahamas, a resort, and renovated it yourselves. Yeah. How many years off your life do you think you've lost doing that? Oh, God. I, I don't know if I've added years or lost years, to be honest. <laughs> um, we bought that. We decided, you know, we were on vacation. We saw it, and we thought, let's just throw everybody off the hamster wheel, uh, upset the apple cart, and try something completely different. It was a huge financial risk. And, you know, with the pandemic and hurricanes and all kinds of things, thankfully now it's, it's, uh, it's stable and, and full and starting to pay for itself but it was apart from just a renovation project it was a full lifestyle change it was let's take the kids while they're young enough they still want to spend time with us let's immerse them in a different culture let's try something completely different you know take a massive risk that that realistically could 
you know, ruin us and we'd have to start over again. Um, and if that had happened, you know, the honest answer is it was still worth it. It was an incredible experience for the family. It was eye-opening, perspective-changing, and um, so aspirational for so many people we heard from saying, my God, I would love to do something like that. And my answer is do it. Figure out how to do it and do it. You know, if you wake up tomorrow morning, you have not seen the worst case scenario yet. And, you know, you can always, you can always make it back. You can always start over. Um, but you can't do things that you haven't done. So when you, uh, you decided to take on this project and do this thing, and then you call up HGTV and said, hey, I got a killer idea for you, how hard did they laugh at you? <laughs> it actually went the other way. We had greenlit uh, House of Brian 4, season 4. We were going to build a house on a piece of land we own in the Florida Keys. Uh, greenlit, all ready to go, hadn't signed the contracts, and we ended up, you know, we were on a boat trip and found this decrepit hotel. So the conversation went kind of like, uh, you know, I phoned up the, the network and I said, hey, we're, we're not doing the house. We bought this hotel and I think we're going to fix that up. And they said, you're crazy. Nobody's going to watch that. It's, you know, it's, it's unattainable. Uh, you know, who does that? All this kind of stuff. And I said, well, this is what we're doing. So if you don't want to film it, that's cool. Um, but they did. You know, we, we ended up we ended up cracking a deal on, on filming the entire process. And, you know, my argument was, Find me one Canadian, one person on the planet that doesn't want to just throw in the towel and do a Caribbean island, you know, for, for a couple of years. You're, you're nuts. And Absolutely. not only that, all the other shows, the format shows, the House of Brian, you can't just show up to my house and have dinner with us. You know, it's, that's weird. But at the hotel, you can come to the hotel, you can experience it, you can walk around, you can, you can have dinner with us. Um, you know, it, it's probably the most accessible show that's ever been on. And... You know, it obviously connected with people and it hit a nerve and, and COVID and everything and the, and the travel component and the, the views and everything. It just, it was a perfect storm. And yeah, I think everybody watched it. And, and in the U.S., it was uh, an explosion and it's in 51 countries now. So it's, uh, there's a lot of people that want to move to an island is what yeah. I found out. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought people want to live in the Caribbean? Yeah, you watched that, and it was interesting because, you know, you did that first season, and it was interesting to watch because it genuinely seemed at times that you would be looking at Sarah and wondering, have we made a huge mistake? I think we might oh, lose yeah. our shirt on this one. And then, uh, obviously, the pandemic hits, and I was so glad you did a second season because I was, I was thinking, like, this is, must be devastating to the business you just tried to create. It wasn't, it wasn't good, that's for sure. We were open for two weeks, and I had to shut down. Um, but I mean, we had contingency plans in place to operate for a while without any guests. And that really saved us. We reopened in October and we've been completely packed and full, you know, all season next season's booking up already. So it, uh, it has turned around, not, not everywhere in the world, or I should say a lot of other places in the world, people are traveling and people are uh, being careful and getting where they want to go. And, and it's, it's been working out great. We haven't really had any issues on the island so far. Oh, that's good news. So the question now is, where do you go from here? What's next? Like, what are you, are you working on an, a different show now, or, or what's cooking with you? We're currently filming season four of Island of Brian. I think this will kind of be the, the wrap up to the season. Uh, we're renovating a house in an airport community in Florida that we've been, you know, the kids have a little more stability for school and activities and civilization, and we, we can easily travel back and forth between Canada and there and, and the hotel. Um, but we're also looking at, at some really cool projects out in, in Utah. We're looking at some 
other things in Palm Beach, development and building, expanding there, um, and continue, obviously, to grow our development and infill and spec home business in uh, in Canada and, and some of that stuff. So it's kind of a, where are they now? What are they doing, these crazy people? And, and there are some there are some insane plans uh, on the table for the future. <laughs> Good. We look forward to seeing it. I appreciate taking a few minutes to talk to us today. Well, hey, man, it was great to connect, and uh, thanks for having me. Cheers.